So hey, let's just jump in, John 9, uh, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to read through it fairly rapidly. It's in your hand out there. If you have your Bible, your Bible app, jump in. But here we go. It's, we, we, we reviewed these verses earlier. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them because we took them apart and really sat with them. But I do want to read, read this as an opening. It says, as he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. We talked about it. The, we don't know his name, but he was blind from his birth. Never saw a shred of light had no idea what light was, born in complete darkness. Not like he lost his sight, he never had it. He passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples, Jesus' disciples were walking with Jesus. They noticed that Jesus was looking at him. The way he was looking at him, the way he saw him was different. We talked about that. It's like he peered at him, paused, really looked into, his, into this man. And the disciples could tell Jesus was thinking about him. And so they asked a question. It was a theological question. But really, the question that they asked was a why question, a question that a lot of times people will ask when bad things happen to other people. Look what they say. His disciples asked him, and again, they're working off their presupposition, their worldview. Rabbi who sinned, teacher who sinned, how did he get like this? Why is he like this? Was it because of something he did or his parents, maybe like a family curse that got him in such a condition? He was born blind. And Jesus answered and he says, look, it was not that this man sinned uh, or his parents, but I tell you that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, I don't want to talk about, no, to answer your question, no, but I don't even want to get into to the theological aspect of this. I really, what I want to do right now is I want to do something in this man's life right now. I, I want, the work of God is about to happen here. And then Jesus turned to them and he said, we must work. There's an interesting statement he makes, verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is the day. Because the night is coming when no one can work. And he's talking about his death, right? He's saying on this side of eternity, there is a day. We all have one. We have a life. He called it our day. His life was nearing its end on this side. And he knew that. And he says, he says but as long as I am in the world, and I love the fifth verse, as long as I am in the world, now look, he talks to the disciples, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And think about the juxtaposition. There's a man completely born, born blind and in darkness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Watch what I'm about to do. Right? It's very interesting. Now, again, we've talked about the work that the Lord, the last couple of weeks we've talked about like the work the Lord wants to do in us. Talked about not getting stuck in the whys of life. Like, why this? Why that? Getting bogged down there talked about the work that God wants to do through us. Spent a lot of time discussing what this idea of a day means. Like we all have a life. That life has an end point. We've been talking a lot about that in this, this opening pieces because it's like Jesus said, while you have an opportunity to honor me with this life, however long it is, and we all have differing lengths of day. We all have a different remaining remains of our day. We don't know what it is. You know, that, some people don't ever want to think about that. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. 
But the fact of the matter is, generation comes and goes. Someday I will leave this world. This body of mine cannot contain the spirit within it. In its present state, it will decay, and ultimately, it will betray me. The fact of the matter is, we are all passing, like the scripture says, like a tale that is told. But Jesus says, what we do with our day matters. And we are called to work the works of him who sent us in this day. A lot of our day is lived out very, you know, sort of casually. We don't think about it, but if you, if you really reflect upon it, um, I was thinking about that great quote from, uh, you know, Mother Teresa, who is often referred to, where she says, not all of us can do great things, but I love this, but all of us can do small things with great love. We all have that capacity, don't we? And you pile up enough of small things with great love, and you have a great life. And that's the thing that God calls us to, right? To honor him with that. Our day is comprised, I suppose, okay, let me look at it this way. Our big day, as Jesus called it, is comprised of many days in the calendar. And all those days, every day, can be boiled down to moments that we live our life out. And those moments are often connected to choices that we make. And those choices are often just choices we make not even thinking about it, just like on autopilot. We live most of our days on autopilot, just stuff we do. We don't really think about it in terms of the collective day that we live. But, but one thing is pretty clear, right, that we have a, a, a capacity for choice. Right? We get to choose how we're going to live our day. That's one of the great gifts that God gives a human being, is the ability to choose how we're going to respond to life. I put, and there's a reason I put it in there, it was just a, a poem that I had come across a few years back that I, for some reason it really spoke to me. I said, hey, can we just stick it in there? And, and so I want you to look at it. It's, it's talking about the power of choice and how we get to decide how we're going to spend our day, not the literal 24-hour one, the life one. Look what it says. This is in your handout there. It's from Ella Wheeler Wilcox. She wrote this. It's called Set of the Sails. It says, but to every mind there openeth a way and way and a way. A high soul climbs the highway, a low soul gropes the low, and in between on the misty flats the rest drift to and fro. Sometimes we just drift through life. But to every man there openeth a highway and a low, and every mind decideth the way his soul shall go. The choice is ours. One ship sails east, another west, by the selfsame winds that blow. The wind's the same. Tis the set of the sails, not the gales, that tells the way we go. Same wind but it all depends on how we set the sail. Like the winds of the sea are the ways of time as we journey along through life. Tis the set of the soul that determines the goal and not the calm or the strife. In other words, we cannot direct the wind in life, but we can adjust the sails. So it's the same wind. Here's what I mean. Stuff happens in life. <laughs> if you live long enough, even if you haven't been living a long time, stuff happens, hard stuff. Winds blow, winds turn. Winds are unpredictable. I cannot predict. Jesus said, you cannot even tell what tomorrow will bring. One of the things he was trying to do is says, do not be anxious for things. because Don't worry about stuff that's going to happen tomorrow, which we all do. He was saying, don't get stuck there. You don't borrow from tomorrow's trouble. It hasn't even happened yet. Don't let your mind go there and get locked in. He was talking about how, you know, we can get ourselves just stuck in places, and we can do this all the time. He was talking about how, you know, make sure that when you're, when you're approaching life that you approach it from the standpoint of trust. And it's a very wonderful thing, right, when we do that. And Jesus reminded us not to get stuck in, in the, the whys and the, and the bad. But there's a lot of stuff that happens that we, I don't know if we've ever, he would think about this. He was saying that, don't be anxious, don't, be, don't worry about things to a people who, honestly, compared to us, had so much less stress on them. Now, you know, 
it's, it's maybe making a generalization, but they're pretty much a, 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 an agricultural people without the sophistication of technology. A lot of their life was lived in, in rhythms, um, and, he, and yet they still had worries and concerns. And Jesus, in, I think he would say this clearly for us, man, this is the age of anxiety. We have, we have so much technology, I, but I read all the time because I read a lot about social conditions in the human, human race, particularly in our, our nation, and sort of the effects of technology and the effects of modern culture and the effects that it has on us and the anxieties that seem to be how we're having a proliferation of medication and how people a lot of times are having just really hard times feeling tremendous amounts of just low-grade stress just living. And I could spend a whole message just talking about that, right? I don't know how much fun it would be, but we could talk about it. The thing of it is, we get to choose a lot of our life. And, and we live in this kind of environment where, where things happen that aren't good. And stuff's always flying our way. Sometimes it really hits us hard. Right? That, I'm just talking about, it could, we don't even know what's going to happen in the world sometimes. We don't know what's going to happen in our life. Um, a diagnosis out of nowhere. A shift, a shift in the environment at work. Um, something comes in that we weren't expecting, a relational turn that we find devastating. Uh, that's not even counting the stuff that happens on a daily basis that we can't predict. We, we listen to the news or we check out our phone. We never know what's going to show up on there. Like some crazy thing happening. Stuff, and that's, don't, don't, don't <laughs> that takes a toll. It does. What, the, what we're reminded of here, though, is that we can't control things but we can control our own heart. We can choose how we set our sails. This is the point. We can choose if we're going to trust him with our lives in a shaky world. We can choose our attitudes. I can. We can choose if we're going to cooperate with him. How am I going to set my sail? This is our work. This is our art. This is our opportunity. This is our time on the stage of life. And... If I can put it this way, this is the ground. Our life is the ground he wants to meet us on, right where we are. He wants to meet us, all of us, where we are. Okay, go back to the, the, the verse again. Uh, let's just jump back into verse 5. Watch how the, blind, the man born blind has a choice to make. He's got to decide how he's going to set his sail. I'll show you in a moment. Okay, so Jesus sees him. He's, in verse 5, he says, again, that verse, As long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. And then it says, having said these things, and this is interesting because, again, Jesus is looking at the man, right? He's, he's talking about him. They're asking him questions. How did he get this way? Jesus says, it's, it's, no, no, I, I, I'm not gonna t I don't want to actually talk about that right now. But you're wrong on how your assessment is, is incorrect. But that's not my point. I have something else. There's something else going on here. I'm going to heal this man. And he got down, and the, and the scripture just tells us a vivid sort of, look what it says. It says he got down, and I don't know, I don't know the way to say it. Jesus says he starts spitting on the ground, on the dirt. And it says as he's, as he's doing that, he has some, I imagine he pulls it up, and he, starts, and he starts making mud with it, which is probably catching everybody off guard, right? I thought we were having a discussion here, and you're spitting on the ground and making mud, right? It's like, and as he's doing it, the, 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 obviously the, the man born blind, he's over there. He's been listening to the whole conversation about him. <laughs> Next thing he knows, Jesus is taking this mud. Who knows how long he took to make it, but I imagine it was very deliberate. 
And then he does something that all of them could not have anticipated. He starts to take it, and he says, come here. And he starts to pack it on the man's eyes. Right? It says here, that he says, having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. And then he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sense. So he anoints his eyes and he says, now I need you to do something. I need you to go. Don't, don't, do not take the mud off of your eyes. Let it be there. And I need you to get up and I need you to find your way to the pool of Siloam. Go through the streets of Jerusalem. Go, go to the pool and I need you to wash there. And the implication is quite clear, and you will see. Oh, by the way, it's interesting because some of us, um, some of us have been to Israel. I have a few times now. Going again at some point. If you and you can go to Jerusalem and see the Pool of Siloam. I asked if they could put a little shot of it. This is, by the way, this is a portion of what was has been uncovered. So it's there. It's a real play. It was a real place. Pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. I'll explain why. Fascinating, too, because think about it. The name of the pool he's sent to is sent. I'm sending you to sent. Right? It's interesting. The one who was sent for us to open our eyes is sending him to a pool called sent to open his. Now, the pool of Siloam was a product, it was actually the last part of what was at the time an archaeological kind of, or at least an architectural minor wonder of the ancient world. It was the, the, the place where the water went to from outside the city. It was around mm, 700 years before the time of Jesus when a king of Israel, you can read about it in the Old Testament, named Hezekiah, was concerned that the city of Jerusalem was going to be overtaken by an enemy that he knew was coming a great general by the name of Sennacherib who was leading the Assyrian army and was about to lay siege on the city of Jerusalem, the ancient city of David, which we can still see pieces of now. And he thinks in his mind, because what's happening, again, I don't expect everybody to sort of have the sense of the geography of it, but if you go to Jerusalem today, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. There's the Mount of Olives, which is where Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is there, right? The Mount of Olives looks down on, you can see the city of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, right? It's not a high, high mountain. It's a lower, lower one. And then in between the Mount of Olives and the city of Jerusalem is what is known as the Kidron Valley, right? It's not a big either. You, you'd be surprised at the proportions. It's much smaller than it seems being described. Mount of Olives, the Kidron Valley. In the Kidron Valley is a spring. It was the main water source. It was called the, the Spring of Gihon. It was like where the water came into the city. Here's the problem. They would tote the water from the spring up into the city. Hezekiah knows if we get, if we get, if our city comes under attack, uh, they're going to cut off our water supply. That's what happens. Invaders have done it before. So he comes up with a plan. He says, you know, before they get here, we are going to cut a tunnel through solid rock from the, pool, from the, the spring of Gihon into the city. We're going to cut a tunnel and we're going to cause the water to flow into, this, into, into the city. And then we're going to cover up the spring. And no one would even know it was there. But our water is coming in from a place that they can't cut off. 
So that was in his mind. You can go there today. It's called uh, Hezekiah's Tunnel. In fact, they put a shot of it. You can see that's Hezekiah's. It's, it's about, in his, some of its portions, sometimes six feet tall. You can get as thin as two feet wide. So you, some of us have to walk sideways to get through there, right? right? So here's the thing. So you can get there. But where the water comes from, it goes through Hezekiah's Tunnel or the Siloam Tunnel, and it empties into what would have been then a large pool, the Pool of Siloam. So that's where Jesus sends him. I go back to this, and I look at this, and I go, wow, that must be something else. And it, and it got me thinking as I was looking at it. I was going, oh, there's so much stuff here for you and me, and I want us to think about it. Because when it comes to healing and breakthrough in our life with the Lord, one of the things we, we need to be aware of, you guys, is that it's going to always be, number one, here it is, connected to humility. And that sounds so basic. But our willingness to respond to what the Lord is requiring us to do. Because I was reflecting on the spit, I know, and the soil, the saliva and the sand, the spittle mixed with the dirt that formed the clay that the master laid upon his eyes. It was humbling. He had to let Jesus do it. Now, again, we read the passage. We're giving broad strokes, right? He's healed. He puts dirt and mud on his eye. He go, go to the uh, pull of silo. Big, broad strokes. He comes back and he's healed, right? But when you think about what actually happened in that moment, and we're invited to color in we can color in between the broad strokes. We do it with humility. There's no problem with that. Imagination is part of a gift God gave us. Right? And so I'm thinking about it, and I'm going, okay, he had to be open to the Lord touching his eyes. So I'm imagining him there. His eye, he can't see anything. Next thing, again, imagine him. He's there. And all of a sudden, he's been hearing this conversation, but he doesn't know. Jesus didn't say what he was about to do. All of a sudden, he's feeling this, this hand. On his eye, what, what, and I can imagine, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop. What are you doing? Now, he had, and I hear Jesus, you need to let me do this. You need to let me do this. Right? He has a choice to make. It's not like, see, he has to say, he has to choose to let him. I imagine people looking and laughing while it's all going on. Look at that. It don't mud on the blind guy's eye. He'd been there. That was his post. That's where he begged. What do you like? Here, I could, here's the deal. And if, if, by the way, if he goes, no, no, guess what? Jesus doesn't go. Get your hand off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna anoint you with mud, no matter what. <laughs> right? It's not like he's gonna force his the mud on his eye. Get out! I'm gonna push it on you. No, it does not. He has, to, he has to choose. He has to choose to let the Lord. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do. And you can't. Do not take it off. It's going to dry. I need you to do something else. I need you to also get up and walk with it. Now, that's, again, I, I look at it and I go, well, <laughs> the, the, I need you to go and and walk to the pool of Siloam, through the, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a long way. And I'm supposed to keep my eyes closed the whole time um, and, with the mud on it? How am I going and, to? And, 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 and yes, and the only place that you can wash is the pool of Siloam. Don't wash anywhere else. Don't take the mud off until you get there. If you do what I'm saying to you to do, and you do as I ask, if you, will hum if you will do this, your eyes will open. Okay, that, here, let me just put this on the board. 
There are times where healing and breakthrough is going to require us to cooperate with a process that is different than what we envisioned or desire. This is this was very valuable for me as I engaged this. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about getting stuck in the why, and so it is with the process. Now, stay with me. Sometimes the why that we struggle with is the why of the process. It's, listen, like, like the way he wants to bring healing to us. Again, why does it, I, I, I'm imagining, just again, if I'm there, I'm going, okay, okay, why? Why are you doing this? Why are, you, why, are you, why are you making me get, put mud on my eyes? And why are you making me go walk through the streets? And, and why do I have to go? Why can't I just get, but why? If it, don't toy with me. If you're going to heal me, just heal me, right? I can see it. I can see it. If you're going to heal me, why, why, why make me just heal me? I get that. And I can imagine him saying, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a, his friends, maybe he's got a friend there who says, you know what? You should just do what he says. Some healings and breakthroughs, just hear me out. Some healings and breakthroughs that he longs to give us, well, listen, they don't happen all at once. Or, it, it, it's like it's a, it's a process. They are more, uh, how we say it? Some healings and breakthroughs that the Lord brings into our lives with our cooperation are more incremental than they are instantaneous. They, they happen along the way. There are kind of a, it's, it's, it's where a slow, unsteady walk, faith walk through the streets of Jerusalem is required. Use the analogy in your mind. Right? Our healing and deliverance is sometimes a slow, slower process. And I'll flip this over and just push it a little bit further in this third idea here. Stay with it is that there are going to be times where it's going to involve a difficult walk, listen, in a direction we would not have chosen to go. It's like, Lord, why do I have to do this? Again, I go back to it. Why couldn't I just, like, why are you making me, if you can, you can heal, right? Can you heal? Lord, and even I imagine the disciples, well, Lord, I mean, you can heal anybody. We've seen you heal people. Like, why are you making them do that? You've never done this before. Why are you having, why are you making, why are you making them with your own spirit? What are you doing? But no one said anything. Why? Why this way? This person, you didn't do it that way. Why can't I get healed? First off, why can't I, if you are going to heal me, why can't you just do it right now? Or if you're going to heal me, can I just get healed the way that person got healed? No. You have to go the way that I'm asking. Oh, I get that sometimes, right? Sometimes uh, it's not the way we would choose. Uh, can you hear me when I say this? Sometimes the way the Lord requires us to go through the streets of Jerusalem with mud on our eyes to a pool when any water could do. Sometimes the way that he has for us to go, hear me out, this is true, it's been true for me too. It's actually the opposite way of what I would have wanted to do. Like what I really want to do is the opposite of what you're telling me right now. But I was thinking about Jesus. Because I imagine the blind man going, I really don't want to do this. I know this, listen to me, the one who was asking him to take a walk that he didn't want to take to open his eyes was the one who himself would take a walk that he didn't want to take that would open our eyes. <laughs> I'll tell you this, 
Jesus knew the end of his day was near. He did not want the cross. You say, oh, yeah, he was the son of God. He was born for the... You know how we know he didn't want the cross? Because he said it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on that Mount of Olives I described, a few months removed from this moment, he gets there and he goes, Father, if it is possible, take this, this cup from me. He knows what's coming. He can see it. He can see it in his mind. He can see it as clear as day. He can see what's happening. He knows where it's going. His enemies circling. His own turning. It's all going down. And he knows where it's going. It's going to end up with him splayed out, hammered onto a Roman cross. It's going to be his enemies, critics, laughing him to scorn. He can see it. He's going to be bleeding, torn up, hammered. It's awful. Naked, essentially. All his people, gone. It's there. He can see it. He, and it's the Father's way. And he says, if it is possible, take the cup from me. I want you, that's the way. I want to go this way. Not that way. But nevertheless, not my will be done. And you know what Jesus did? He went the opposite way into the cross. That's what he did. And I look at that and I go, Lord, the same way that you sent him, right? You sent this man on a little journey that he didn't maybe, it wouldn't have been the way he would have chosen. Don't argue. Okay. Let's be careful about fighting God over the way that he heals things in our lives. Walk with the way. Well, so what about that? It's not about that. It's about what is he doing with us? We're all unique. This is the way for you to be healed, my friend. Go with me. Walk with me. Do it. You shall see. Jesus, I was thinking about Jesus too. Uh, somehow, I remember I told you, I kept thinking about the, the spittle, I, I mean, the, the spit that he used, the saliva that he used to make the mud. And I, I was thinking, wow, what a juxtaposition to what happens, happens on the cross. Because Jesus, if you think about it, the very, you know, by the way, some people think the reason Jesus made the, the making the mud, making it out of his very being, mixing with the dirt is sort of like, a creation moment when it says in Genesis, God made a human soul out of the dust, right? Whether or not that's true, one thing is certain. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, he has, he, his mouth is so dry. He is, the sun's beating on him. He is dehydrated, right? And he, he what is one of the things he says? I thirst, right? It was one of the sayings on the cross, which is the collective human cry, by the way. We thirst. Sometimes we don't even know. The human beings thirst for more. It's the human cry. I thirst, though, was a real cry for him. Okay, the last thing, and, and again, the, what kind of love is that? That kind of grace and that kind of love, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved, right? A wretch like me, a lost one like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was what? Blind. But now I see. There it is. He who sends him to see, it, to see is the one who was sent to make us see. I am the light of the world. You see how layered this is? It's like all over the place. It's layered in. Last thing, and I will leave it here. And it's this. It's just my final, I guess, thought, but I believe it's, Important. There's a time and a season 
when the power of the Lord is uniquely present to heal. Hear me out. Not all time is the same. Not all time in the day is the same. There are times where the power of the Lord is present to heal in our lives in ways that are different than others. It's like this. Jesus said to this man, not, hey, why don't you go think about it, come back tomorrow. If you feel like you want to do it, then give it a shot, and we can see what happens. No. <laughs> no. Let me do this. I need you to go to the Pool of Siloam and wash there. Now. Now. If you do this now, you will be healed. Now is the time. Not to, now, now. You understand? You need to go now. Not, sometimes and it happens, right? The Lord will say, I, I, and I believe this, there are times where the Lord is saying, this is about you responding to me in this now season of your life. Now. The word of the Lord is coming to you now. It's real. It's present. It's there now. Your healing, your breakthrough requires you to move now. There are some of us this Easter season where the, the, it's like the Lord is going to be calling us. Like some of us are right on the edge of making a commitment to him. And it's like the Lord is going to say, you need to do this now. Not now while the pre my presence is coming towards you. You can feel it. You know it. Open your heart. Commit. Some of us, he's going to say, commit to be, to be a follow, my follower now. Like now. Others of us, it's like we're walking through the streets of Jerusalem, which is kind of what for me is a metaphor of things we find ourselves in in life. And we're trying to trust God on. I'm trying to trust you on this, Lord. I know you told me to do this, but this is really hard right now. Part of me thinks this, is, this doesn't work. I want to just give up on this. Why should I do this? Right there, if you hear the Lord saying, look, do not quit on the word that I've given you. Don't do that. Stay with it. Slowly, by faith, pulling back and forth. Yeah, but you need to trust me because I have breakthrough coming. There's something I want you to see, right? There's something I want you to see. You stay with me. When the Lord is giving us a word, right, it's in the now. Don't, don't assume it's always going to be there the same way. If you feel something moving in your heart and in your spirit, respond. Respond. God, are you calling me to, to throw my heart into this better? Are you calling me to dig into community better? Are you calling me to, to do something that I've been holding back, that I, I've been wrestling around? Are you calling me to respond to that? Is there something you're asking me to do or to be or to pursue or to get connected into? What are you asking me, Lord? And what is the blessing of responding to you now? Not tomorrow, not a month from now, not next year, not a couple of years down the road when I'm more prepared to offer the better me to Jesus. I always say to somebody, I say, you know, someone, I've had a couple of times where I've talked to, my, to friends over the years or people, and, it's, and, and it just happens every now and then. I'm going to leave it here, by the way. This is my final sharing thought here. <laughs> I'll say... Uh, they'll find out, well, I'm, uh, you know, some, it might be a coffee shop or something. They'll say, oh, they find out I'm a pastor, right? Which is like the death blow of all conversations at that point. It's like, oh, you are? It's either, it's either confession time or it's like we're not talking real anymore. So one of the two, uh, most of the time. That's the generalization. Anyway, in this case, someone say to me, it's happened more than a few times. You know, I, I used to go to church. Uh, um, you know, I was kind of raised to believe, but, you know, I, I'm doing some stuff right now. Um, you know, later on, when I get this, my act together, you know, um, get my life course straightened out, 
I'll, I'll come, I think I'm going to come to church. And I say, come, come check. I go, look, we don't, come to Je- we don't get ourselves good enough to come to Jesus. We get gooder <laughs> by coming to him, right? It's like we come as we are with all of our flaws and our messes and our contradictions and our struggles, all of our blind spots. And we come to him and he starts to work in our lives. And we don't come because we're qualified. We come because we're open. And then he, can do, he begins to do things. It's not about ever being good enough. To t- that's the exact opposite thing. Come on. All right. Come on. All right, let's pray. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to have our time. I know a lot of us are giving in different ways now. A lot of you more are giving more on our apps and stuff. But we're just going to go have our time of giving. And then over that giving time, there'll be a, a quick summary of coming up, a coming up video. And then we'll close out with a final song that ties so closely into this idea of moving with the Lord when he's calling us to go against the grain of our will. He's called the opposite way. We'll close with it. But let me go ahead and pray. Lord, I ask you to just bless these, uh, this time that we've, we've shared. I ask that this word would come alive and live in ways that we couldn't have even envisioned. Bring dimensions of seeing that weren't there before. Keep working in all of our lives. Teach us your ways. I just ask for you to bless these closing minutes. Uh, be honored in them and, and just let that word resonate. And if there's something in our heart that we're being called to respond to now, help us not delay. Help us to do something to act on that impression that we're getting. Again, whether it's jumping into something, whether it's beginning to re-engage something, I don't know, whether it's, whether it's choosing to follow you in a more committed way, I, whatever it is, open up our hearts to you for the first time, whatever it is, Lord, um, just ask that you would help us to do this. Give us courage and conviction. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, God. Amen.